0: campers like do you go camping and stuff oh yeah yeah i just did this weekend nice neil
2: yeah i love camping i haven't been in years i mean i think in my in my youth i was more of a camper um but it's been a long time i actually i want to try to plan something this fall it be nice are you
0: talking like boy scouts in youth or just like you and your brother and like a friend just grabbing a tent and going out into the woods beyond the train tracks and spending the night in a clearing
2: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of the above all of the above boy scouts and buddies get out the old gt mountain bike and head down the train tracks with the tent yeah <laughs> nice
0: and now what would you eat on these trips neil i'm just curious <laughs>
2: Um, I, I guess just snacks, probably Little Debbie's and shit back then. Are, are we, are we going cold? Are we going cold pop tarts? Cold pop tarts, Swiss cake rolls, star crunch Ooh, and, a, oh, and star a, crunch. a bottle of sanides. Nice.
3: <laughs> or, or Mickey's wide mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey's, <laughs>
2: the hornet.
0: Wait. Okay. Would, would clue me in on what saying Mickey's wide mouth is. Oh, uh, it's just like malt liquor, like, it, it, you know. It,
2: yeah. We would
3: have like, and it would it would come in like this little. It almost looked like a little, a little grenade, you know, it's oh, like nice. bottle shape, you know, and it, it did. It had like like a wide mouth
0: on it, almost like a, a snapple bottle.
2: Of width, yeah, you so you, know? can really ah, you can really guzzle it down. Have, oh yeah. yeah,
0: buddy. And it, it, we, I think we started on like we'd take like Boone's.
2: Mm-hmm. Farm oh, wow. Boone's farm
0: yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Boone's Farm yeah yeah that's right it would, You like, it's so gross you would just basically just chug it as quickly as you could
2: well that was better than Mad Dog 2020
0: <laughs> well nobody wants to drink Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> I mean, at, least, at least some human beings do drink uh, Boone's like, just because they like the taste nobody is drinking Mad Dog 2020 like man this shit tastes good they're drinking Mad Dog 2020 to get take... <laughs> drunk as a Mad Dog
2: Mad Dog on the rocks please or, they're, to they're trying to, eat.
0: or to pour one for their homies. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to lose their 2020 vision <laughs> and become rabid dogs cuz basically mad dog 2020 gives you rabies. Um
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Okay, so let's talk about childhood camping instead cuz like adult camping is just like, yeah, hey, you know, I can go do stuff and get out yeah, and glamping. like I'm active. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily glamping. But unless, okay, it's not glamping unless you're a fucking forager. Like if you're going out there and you're like I'm eating whatever I find. <laughs> Or, like, I'm fishing and stuff, then you're, like, a legit outdoorsman. But if you're just taking a tent out and you have all the food and, like, mm-hmm. I have buddies that will we'll go and they'll just make, they'll take, like, a coffee maker. I'm like. You ever try a hammock camping?
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. What is
3: that? Well, it's just, you know, you, you, basically a oversized parachute-style ha- hammock, you know, and, you know, you get a bug net for it and you get a ground tarp. And basically, you just hang from the tree, man, and you get the kind of like those big two-person ones. They, they are—they're made out of like you know, like parachute material. Yeah, you're like a mummy in there. You know, it's just like kind of sucked you up. And then, you know, certain times of the year, I bring the bug net out with me to to put that around me. And uh, yeah, man, it's a good night's sleep. Well, you can how still. How high
0: live. up are you? How high up are you hanging this thing?
3: I mean, you know, you're only ba- you get a couple feet off the ground. Yeah, you know, or you could be just like a couple inches off the ground as long as you're not touching it. You know. Okay. And yeah, yeah.
0: Let's go back to kid camping though. Do you have a a good, funny, scary story about camping as a kid?
3: I didn't do a lot of camping as a kid. I actually I mean, I was in Cub Scouts. I wasn't even in Boy Scouts, but and then you know, I remember going on this camping trip with my elementary school. It was like part of leaving elementary school, sixth grade. We went to this like, this cool park with all these like team building like ropes courses, and they had like a a really cool uh, um, zip line that you could yeah. go down, and then you would stay in like a a cabin, you know, that maybe six other kids were in, you know, or something like that, and that's like I
0: don't know, that was about the extent of my that's childhood
3: it. camping, you know, in a sense.
0: So basically, you're telling me nobody fell off the zip line, and you never got your weeblows badge, Jody. <laughs> I hate to say it, but boy, okay. <laughs> I was too busy playing baseball, and then eventually ah, playing guitar. We had a hippie athlete on our hands, <laughs> or an, an athlete hippie, I guess, is in that order.
3: In that order, was, was Weeblos <laughs> in
2: between Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts? Um, I think so.
3: I think so. You yeah. might be right. Well, no,
2: That's because
0: something. you're like you're a Cub Scout, you're a Bear Scout, then mm-hmm. you're like a Tiger Scout, and then you're like something else, and then you're a weeblo. Okay and Then you get your Weeblow And then you're like Starting to get like Badges and stuff Or like e- No you're an Eagle Scout I think when you start Oh getting there you go That's right Badges and shit
3: Yeah
2: I think I think Weeblow is right before You get to the Boy Scouts Okay um, Cause yeah Eagle Scouts weigh, Like that's the pinnacle Weeblow I definitely Got, Weeblow, got Weeblows
0: <laughs> You get a nasty like a, case <laughs> Of the Weeblows um, But you know Proud to be a Weeblow Yeah uh Neil, you got you got a you got a story that's better than Jody about childhood camping or what? Yeah, sure. Um we did
2: a lot of it. I mean it, it was when you were a kid it was the first time I remember like being able to do something with just your friends, you know, it was before we even drank or anything. We just had our bikes. Yeah. And my friends would go camping and I was never my mom, um, would never let me stay the night. I remember the first time, I I all day went up with them, built a fire, hung out till probably 11, and then mom wanted me home. So I probably rode five miles home on my bike at night with a flashlight taped to the goddamn <laughs> frame. Um, so that was
0: safer, yeah, that's according was to your like. mom, than actually staying <laughs> overnight at camp.
2: Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but I, I made it home. It was a... It was a pretty spooky ride, I must say, because we definitely had train tracks and like old and it wasn't a live train. It was old tracks and old tunnels and stuff. So I remember actually very uh, vividly riding that night through one of the train tunnels where you can barely see the end of it when you go in. It's just my bike rumbling and the flashlight flying all over the place. Um, Yeah, that's pretty spooky, but it was a good memory.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I maybe she was worried that what would what would happen to you is what happened to me the first time I went like camping to a camp. Like we, we, we stayed in the cabins most of the time but then we went out and camped in tents one night and it was like four four of us to a tent. They were pretty big tents and I don't know, I was probably like seven. And this kid just took a giant leak. In the in the tent, and just like we all like wake up, and we're all just like oh, man. lying in piss in this oh, kid's God. piss. He's crying; he <laughs> wants to go home. And we're just like he's crying. Uh, the hell wow. just happened? They have to take us out of the tent. We have to like go shower at like one in the morning. Which you know, when you're a kid, you don't really love showering. You're just like what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and I did this evaporate. the other day. <laughs> And then, and then, like, you go back to a tent, and there's only three of you now, and you're like, what happened to uh, Ben? <laughs> and Ben is never seen oh, again. poor Ben. <laughs> but we actually had, in, in Cub Scouts especially, we would go, there was this weird camp called Camp Swayze right outside of Yazoo City, Mississippi. And it's like, it's like this old dance hall from probably, like, the 40s. Swayze's and this- Dance Hall? no it's called Camp Swayze I (laughs) I thought he said that too (laughs) no it was an old dance hall it looked like but like you know people could sleep in there there was like a little kitchen area there was this old ass outhouse down the hill and then there was this really creepy pond that looked like it was man made but it wasn't like thinking back on it now it was a very scary place I think it scared me when I was young because like you you wouldn't really wander too far from the cabin by yourself Mm -hmm. it it was one of those things and these are kids that are used to being in the woods because they grew up in a rural area probably the craziest thing i remember about that is i got stuck in the outhouse one time i went to you know drop a deuce or whatever and i couldn't open the door and it was so dark in there and there was this fucking caterpillar looking thing with all these spikes coming out of it That was like (laughs) right on the door handle and i was such a little puss i I, like wouldn't grab the handle because i didn't want the thing to touch me and and there was no toilet paper in there so like you couldn't like knock it off with anything it was uh it scarred me for life, as you can tell, uh, if you listen to this pod. I'm, uh, poor Ben, I'm ben and poor you. Josh. Right? You know what I needed? What did you need? I needed someone who would, who would stand by me. That's, that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on that note... It sounds like you did. Oh, yeah. Uh, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to You. And this week we were talking about childhood and camping because most people associate the song Stand By Me... With Camping And this week we will be talking About Ben E. King's Stand By Me A single from 1961 Eventually on the album Don't Play That Song Written by Benjamin King Jerome Lieber and Michael Stoller And produced by Jerry Lieber And Michael Stoller Also known as Elmo Glick And released on Atco
1: So darling.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I've heard this song all my life. I had anybody not that was born and raised in America after, I don't know, 1962. It's just another one of those tunes that we talked about that's like an in the ether song. It's just always been there. It's a perfect combination of voice, vibe, lyric, production. And, you know, I mean, it's an important recording for that reason. It's also an important song because of the message that it conveys. It, it's simple. It's direct. There's nothing complicated. It's basically just music at its finest.
3: Yeah, what a great tune. I mean, all the way through and through. I don't know. It, like you said, it's timeless. You know, you, you you remember hearing it when you were a kid. I do. You know, and and yeah. probably I think I definitely heard it many times before I ever saw the movie uh, to associate it with that. But, you know, the whole, like, doo-wop thing from that point, especially for me, I don't know, like, learning guitar when I was 13, my stepfather was definitely, you know, inspired by doo music, and, you know, even, like, the first guitar progression I ever learned was were those magic intervals, you mm-hmm. know? the the one the six the four the five you know like (laughs) i mean how many songs have that that interval pattern you know the 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 50s progression as it's called exactly right but yeah you know it's like a great soul tune more i think than like maybe just like a rock tune rock and roll yeah when i think of rock and roll i don't automatically go to go to this tune but when you listen to it and like you said the production of it is is just really is really great and Definitely like a segue into what rock would be. For sure.
0: Ba- ballads at least, sorry. Exactly. Right. For sure.
2: I mean, what do you really say about this song? It's it's just so good. I, I would have to say it's probably in my top five all time. And I've certainly thought about picking it before, but it, I hold it in such high regard that I almost felt like it was inappropriate. Like it's too good to even speak of. You know what I mean, hey man. We're, we're talking about songs here. I mean, it, <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm. Ones. I'm happy you did. I. I was finding <laughs> reasons not to, which was probably not a great idea. Anytime it comes on, I get nostalgic. It kind of um, and just kind of reflect and you know think about life. It's a very just. Uh, it's a great message. A great sound. I love how it's so romantic, but in a true sense, not like Valentine's or like you know, dating social construct. It's just the the term, you know, romantic is it's it's just it just embodies that. And in that right, I you know, it's so good. I it's it's almost like a, a Renaissance painting from Da Vinci or Michelangelo where it's just all the right decisions were made from start to finish. Yeah. And, you know, Josh, like you said, it's so simple. It goes to show how little bells and whistles you need if you have the right stuff the right melody if you,
0: if you have everything else perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's
2: one chord
3: progression yeah no yeah.
2: yeah A section A section A
3: section it's funny I'll do that with, with with students and stuff you'll be getting into the song and it's like okay cool that's, that's sweet mm-hmm. yeah and it just keeps going for like the next th- th- two three minutes and you're like
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, that's all it needed. You know, yep. it didn't yeah. need to do anything else. Well, and- it's almost like you could say it's an A plus section all the way through. I yeah. Know, that's good. I ah. like that. yeah. Well, J- Jody, it's like you mentioned earlier. You said I feel like I've heard this all my life. I-, I feel like this is one of those songs that's it's just so good and so beautiful that it's one of the few songs that any mother could sing to their their baby, like mm-hmm. whether it's in the womb or crying, trying to get it to go to sleep. This is one of those songs you turn to when you are just fucking hating life and you want to feel better, and this song does that uh, because it's just when everything's falling apart.
2: Yeah.
0: I just need somebody I can depend on.
2: I think it's arguably the best song we've talked about. Uh, It's either this or Into the Mystic. Like you said, it has Uh, that special, what'd you call it, Into the Mystic? A special creation. A special Uh, creation.
0: (laughs) A special creation or... Uh <laughs> but into the mystic is a little more it's a little more mystical I mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. mystical uh <laughs> there's a little there's like more fog on the ground you know mm-hmm. into the mystic is more like morning mm-hmm. uh, yeah. water boat where it's like this is This more... is grounded
2: except for the mountains crumbling into the sea I mean I yeah, but, but
0: it's still grounded cuz you're standing on solid ground still
1: When night I would come.
0: say the the you know, listening to it this week and obviously, you know, we've all heard this song probably I don't know about thousands of times, but definitely hundreds of times. And I don't know if this if this was the first time this arrangement had been done to start a song. But this my favorite part of the song is gotta be that, that bass line and mm-hmm. the brush beat in the beginning, like when it comes in, it's so sparse and it's so patient. Mm-hmm. and it sets like the perfect scene for that first line. Oddly, you know, it's the most memorable part of the song because you know exactly what it is when you hear it mm-hmm. and, you know, you're very happy to be there for what's about to follow, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, the bass line's yeah. amazing and it's not even, uh, it's. we've talked about this instrument before, a guero or uh Yeah. That, that's what that... Sh- sh-
3: ah, okay. Ah. I was wondering what that was mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And the little oh, I chime. Thought
0: I, was I thought it was just brushes.
3: Okay. No, just
2: just rubbing right along there. And the little yeah, chime right. is a triangle, which is pretty. So yeah. bass, base guero and triangle. Let's do this, boys. What a combo! <laughs> what a trifecta! Yeah,
0: that's the Holy Trinity right there. <laughs> <laughs> base guero and triangle. That's oh. all you need, buddy. That's all you need. But it gives you the sense that, like that that guero, I guess, and the triangle kind of give you the sense you're outside whether mm-hmm. it be crickets mm-hmm. or just some noise that's happening mm-hmm. in the dark yeah sounds like that camping. you can't see yeah <laughs>
3: exactly <laughs> but it's amazing how well they create a, a like this cool backbeat it creates this incredible pocket just between those mm-hmm. those two elements mm-hmm. so well and it does and well but this is before motown right um, yeah, I would say, like, this leading into Motown, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So this, this
0: is almost bridging the gap between, I don't even want to say doo-wop, but, like,
2: yeah, the soul. Kind of. Yeah, I'd say yeah, kind it's, of. It's, well, it's between be. doo-wop and soul.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying bridging the gap between, like, kind of the soul that was going on at the time and Motown. Right, yeah. right. No, I agree, because, you know, I mean, the soul, you know, especially
3: soul... Uh, was mostly dominated by, you know, African-American singers, you know, and then I'd yeah. say the doo of the 50s was mostly a, a, a lot of white singers, you know, and yes. backup bands that way. And I think it is a great marrying of the two that leading into, um, you know, the Motown era and like, you know, you said, like
0: in the ballad. You know that yeah.
3: would come afterwards
0: well the crazy thing is this song was written not thinking he was going to record it
3: yeah i read that too
0: and for the drifters for and the they drifters. passed oh. and basically he was doing a recording session with lieber and stoller and they were like well we got some time you got anything else and then they just basically hammered the song out like stoller just walked in king was acapella singing what he had mm-hmm. he just went over and kind of developed the line on piano for it, and then they just took off from there, yeah it's just
2: which it sounds like Ben definitely had I mean he got fifty percent of the credits, so whatever he sang um I think he sang the first verse I don't even know if he had the chorus yet, but he had the melody for them to like grant him fifty percent of the royalties he must have really had a lot of sure. it worked out or at least the 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 spark you know well
0: yeah I mean he came, he came with a melody and some lyrics so mm-hmm. you know i' I'm, I'm sure lieber probably Co-wrote some of the lyric, that's why he got twenty five percent, and then Stoller kind of did the accompaniment, yeah. mm-hmm. which is why he got it. So, yeah, it was probably like a split thing on bo- both parts, and King kind of contributed to both, so he got the the lion's share of the mm-hmm. of the writing credit. Which, by the way, twenty two point eight million dollar royalties on this song. Yeah, it is the it is the sixth highest grossing song of that era. Incredible. Which makes sense. And it didn't get any higher than like 57 on the chart.
2: Yeah, right? I th- Well, it went to six in the UK. But yeah, that, I was very surprised. I don't know what people were thinking. Give me a break.
0: If you would have said Stand By Me, was it number one? I'd be like, it had to be. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be. There's no time that this song comes out and they're like, people are like, eh, let's hear some Frankie Valli. But
2: there was. It was ranked 122 on Rolling Stone's greatest songs of all time. And how dare you? I think I think there's an argument for top 10 <laughs> and I said it's in my top 5 so
1: it's the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall or the should crumble
0: I don't know what all came before this that kind of had that that backbeat but I mean it's very similar it's like a precursor to my girl and all these songs mm-hmm. that kind of just start off with that Dun. I mean, even yep. the My Girl's different, but it's it's just that start of like, all right, here's a sweet bass line into some, a very simple lyric that any that people can relate to and a great vocal, let's go.
3: Yep, I think it definitely paved the way for, for a lot of that
0: afterwards, that kind of feel. I would assume I was not alive in 1961 when this came out, obviously. But yeah,
3: because I mean, right before it, you had like a lot of Elvis stuff, you know, like Jailhouse Rock was just a few years before that. And, you know... Would, uh,
0: Lieber uh, and Stoller wrote, it. Uh-huh. Yeah. wrote yeah, and exactly Jailhouse Rock. I know, yeah, right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. And King Creole and, and Loving You Don't, you know, all that stuff, you know, happened
0: just before all that. Yeah, they also, I mean, they're, I mean, let talk about just, we'll move, we can move into the production now, but Lieber and Stoller were, you know, they were a team, very famous, uh, lyricists and composers, 70 hits to their name, Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, Yakety Yak, Kansas City, uh, on Broadway, <laughs> Uh <laughs> as Jody mentioned before the pseudonym was Elmo Glick Elmo Glick and, and you I mean you can just tell they were basically Phil Spector's mentors you can mm-hmm. tell these guys were just yeah. ma- cuz they started in the early 50s this is 60 this is basically everything they took that they learned over the 50s about songwriting and putting it into this one song in my opinion just all right let's take a simple lyric that has a catchy phrase let's surround it with simple because instrumentation is pretty simple as well
2: right mm-hmm.
0: yeah, oh, yeah yeah yeah
2: i mean the, the most complicated thing is the strings
0: yeah and mm-hmm. and then you just let his voice shine over that
2: mm-hmm. it has
3: such a great layering of production too you know when you really like especially you put headphones on and you really listen to it and you listen to how all the layers come in you know just yeah the, just the bass and the and what, i'm sorry what'd you call that, Guero, that i think the, that's yeah. how you pronounce it yeah, those two things in the beginning, and then you know when the vocal comes in, the guitar enters. You know, so the voice and the guitar enter at the same time, and then when the chorus drops, that's when the strings come in. You yeah. Know? So there's this uh, this like it just it's genius to me. It's just I, I love production like that. You know, it's like here's this basic thing. We're gonna add one little thing at a time, and every time you added it, the song just becomes so much more rich. Yeah, you know? and then. And then the next verse after that, you hear all those backup vocals come in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. singing in harmony, doing like all the doo y stuff in the background, and it's like, oh man, you, it's like you couldn't get any better after that, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and like and like like you said earlier, you know, they're taking the doo wop, but it's not full doo wop. No, it's not. It's just like that kind of flavor of it, you know, just enough of it. And when you bring in the strings, it's almost like a Nat King Cole like forties. Like late forties, early fifties style, kind of throwing that in there a little bit, so they are kind of messing, you know, playing around with that entire decade a little bit, like knowing like all right, it's the sixties now <laughs> here's a, here's our kiss off to the fifties,
2: yeah, and i I love the strings, I love all the production and all the extra stuff they added, but at its core, it's such a good song, I feel like all that was a. Uh, a layup, not next necessarily like putting it all together, but like the strings part, like it sounds, it's, I don't know they there's just much must've been such inspiration for that. Like it's, you know, one, if you have a solid bed of music, um, you can, it, it really makes it 10 times easier just to write some brilliant, and, um, string sections, you know, and a vocalist like that too. Yeah. 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 His vocal we- is so good. It has so much character. Like you believe every word. It doesn't sound too polished, and it just—it yeah. sounds. I don't know. It sounds like a friend or something, you know. And I think that that helps the song, obviously. Well, it, you can it, you
0: get the feeling that he's kind of really thinking about what he needs to be happy and to survive. It, whether things are falling apart around him at the moment, or he's thinking about if they do, he adds like some smoke in there when he when he when he's pleading, especially, you know, mm-hmm. like when he really kind of pleads. Mm-hmm. There's some yeah oh, there's yeah. some like you said there's a lot of character there it's a little underrated I mean come on Otis Redding covered this and I'd rather hear oh yeah Benny King say oh it. I, yeah Benny sure and it I love I love me some Otis man yeah right. Otis Redding oh, yeah. top five singer for me but you know it's just the perfect marriage I think one of you said of song and vocal the emotional output is just it's there you believe him, you know you
3: do
2: And it's cool that the song stands the test of time, and you believe him because he also was singing it. Basically, wrote it about his wife that he stayed together with for forty years. You know what I mean? So it's it's really Uh cool that all that kind of coalesced and he meant it.
0: For me, the lyric is, I think the standout of the song. Though I think it's. Mm It's basically an example of what great songwriters do. It's like a run of simple sentences that everybody can understand and relate to. There's zero pretension. There is zero bullshit. Building something worthy, you know, around it. And there's not a word that's off or out of place. Everything just makes sense. And you're wrapping up this universal idea in Mm -hmm. such a clean, (laughs) succinct package. And that's very hard to do.
2: Yeah. And it's so grounded, but I love how he brings in just the epic, like, if the mountains crumble into the sea and, you know, it's just, because it, it, it's almost like he's painting a picture of the apocalypse, but just.
0: Yeah. I mean, so is all of our favorite lyric, the, if the stars that we look upon. Oh yeah. Should crumble. You know, oh yeah. 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 And the mountains yeah. crumble into the sea. It's, it's, yeah, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it really it's such a vivid picture of like <laughs> the stars are gone the mountains and it's just dark. Mhm. There's no more light. Mhm. There's no more nature basically. It's just me and you. Uh, that's a, that's one way to clear it out. Mhm. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. actually a, would be a great wedding song. Yeah, yeah. Now.
2: Yeah, it would. I it would had I had the same feelings with this song as I did this will be our year. <laughs> Like, Shit, I should
0: have played this a lot more delay. <laughs> oh man. Uh well the we should before we go on, I mean we should say Benny King is the, the vocal. Uh Romeo Pinke on sax. Ernie Hayes on piano, Al Kaola and Charles McCracken on guitars, Lloyd Trotman on the bass, Phil Krauss on percussion, Gary Chester on drums, and Stanley Applebaum did the string arrangement. So I know I know you guys know all of those books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Way to go, Stanley. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I knew all that before I even started listening this week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I
0: mean, back to the vocal for just a second. I mean, just...
2: Whenever you're in trouble... Like,
0: he, he gets so into it there, and I, I just love when a, a vocalist sounds so effortless, but also so pleading, and I, I don't want to say painful, because I don't think it's pain that he's really doing there, but just... That pleading, it it just seems like he's probably just standing there like Santa Gold last week on the horse.
2: Yeah, (laughs) That part's cool, too, because the whole song, he's asking someone to stand by him, and then he flips it, and he's like, you know what? Mm. I got your back, too. Mm
0: -hmm. So good. Uh, Okay, so what's, Jody, what's your favorite part of the song?
3: I really, really love that second verse when the backup vocals come in. Yeah, because when you really listen to it, just the harmony that they have on, and it's one of them has just got this incredible bass, you know, that's just super thick and like nice. it's so subtle but so effective. And again, it's like it it hits you at that point of the song where you're like you got the strings already at you and everything and the the chorus is already come and gone. You're just like, Oh man, this, this, this song is just so powerful. And then <laughs> they get into the next verse and then they, you hear
0: the, the vocals coming in the background and it's just like, man, that is so cool. I love it, that. The, it's the angels behind the stars. It's, it's uh, so good. Uh, Neil, what, what about you?
2: I think it's the, um, the space, the notes they didn't play, the simple arrangement oh you know cuz it really there's a lot of space in this song that really lets uh, Mr. King shine.
0: Now, just from a musical standpoint, let's we'll, we'll slide under the covers here just real quick cuz I just want to touch on this before we get there. We'll just we'll just dip our dip our toes under the covers for a second. The string solo versus the Jesse Ed guitar solo in the Lennon version.
2: I'll take the Lennon solo. I'll take the Lennon kind of extra stuff over this, the original strings.
0: I think I will too. And I felt bad <laughs> this week when I was listening. I was just like, I
2: should Benny, that. Benny, I Yeah, I know.
0: Jesse Ed Davis nails it
3: though.
2: Yeah, no, it's really, really good. It's just, it doesn't stand out to me. Like, that's... It's not that it's a weak part. I think just... he
3: like I thought the solo in in John's in, in Lennon's version w- was cool. You know, oh, yeah. I thought for for what they were doing, like it really stood out well, and I thought he did a good job. But I know what you mean, being guitar guy myself, you know, I I, I dug that part of that cover um, a lot. Yeah, I, and I would always probably go to that more than I would strings. But I mean, not to take it away from the well... the strings because they're badass. <laughs>
0: Just a few side things before we get into the fun section of this pod. Uh, <laughs> um, according to King, the title is derived from and was inspired by a spiritual written by Sam Cooke and J.W. Alexander called Stand By Me, Father, which was recorded by the Soul Stirrers with Johnny Taylor singing lead. And then you have the Stephen King short story Stand By Me that became a a movie that we probably have all seen multiple times. hmm Absolutely, and I wonder how well known this song is now because that movie. Yeah, whereas before, once again, and I, I'm, so I'm too young to know.
2: It's funny how much that I read about how much it brought it back, but I thought it was always just as such a classic as it is today. But maybe not without Spotify and easy access to every song all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to either have the the record or the Benny King cassette.
0: Yeah, cuz he didn't have any other hits, right? Not really. No. Which is wild. <laughs> like, yeah. He was just part of this this gem. And cuz I listened to the album today and there's a the song on the the first song is basically the same beat and <laughs> just <laughs> completely different lyrics over this over this song. And there's nothing else on the album like comes close to how good this song is. So the rest of the Which album
2: is, don't listen to. <laughs>
0: yeah, don't, don't don't play that song. Don't listen to this record. Listen to the Stand by Me single. <laughs> Exclamation point. But did he did didn't he do like um
3: this magic moment? Wasn't that one of his too? Is that him? Yeah. No. Yeah. Cuz I well absolutely and did he song.
2: have hits with the Drifters as the main vocalist?
3: Yeah, like uh what uh I think there goes my baby was one, I think I remember. Okay. Um yeah, like that was a couple years before. I think the end of the '50s.
2: I can't um, believe he played this song for the Drifters, and they're like, "Nah."
3: I know, right? Nah. Yeah, we're
0: gonna pass on this.
3: <laughs> B-
2: try again, Ben. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Um, his solo hits are like "Spanish Harlem," which I I, I don't think I know that song,
2: Mm-mm. and "Stand
0: by Me." Yeah, and that's that's it. You know, speaking of magic moments, we should we should we should start vibing if we if we aren't already. And get into the vibe time portion of this podcast. And Jody, this gives you a second week to uh, to, to get us there. If you want to cue the music in three, two, one.
2: <laughs> I like it. Jody, Jody, just playing the hits. Keep, I love it. <laughs> keep,
0: keeping it old school. I like it. Um, well, this is my song. So, you know, I, I want to hear it anywhere, obviously, at any time, uh, really. But yeah. Um, Something more specific, like a stroll on like a clear night uh, around a pond or a lake, somewhere out in the country, where I'm, there's no light pollution. I can see the stars. Maybe I can see some mountains, but I'm I'm like on ground walking around some still water, some fresh water. Uh, nice. Jody, what, what about you? When do you want to hear "Stand by Me"?
3: Uh, you know, I think similar. Uh, I I I want to hear it like maybe after just waking up from a you know, night at the cabin. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting on the porch with uh, I
2: think we're all on with, the same page here.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. With a cup of, <laughs> cup of coffee and my wife next to me and, and, and my my, uh-huh. my little my little baby girl and uh yeah. nice.
0: It'd be a great Okay, time So this this is another porch song. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. I was oh, gonna man. I was I gonna like say it.
2: that. It's one of Josh's porch songs. But <laughs> um, specifically I think it would be I, I wanna remember this. I do wanna go camping soon and around a fire. Now that I know it and know how easy and fun it is to play, just, just kick it. Everyone knows the words. Everyone's going to chime in. You know, if you uh, if you do it right, it, it'll be a, a good moment in the camping trip. Right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Kodak
2: yeah. moment. Well,
0: just, just speaking about that real quick, it's funny because when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, the melody is probably my least favorite part of the song. But I think it's just because the melody is so fucking common now that it seems like, ah, oh, well, you know, the melody is just simple and blah, blah, blah. But I think this was one of the first songs to use that melody, uh, as we mentioned earlier, which now that I've, I've heard that, I, I have more respect for the, <laughs> the melodic intonations
3: of this song. Well, those guys, you know, they, they, they started it. You know, all these melodies that came after it are really just kind of regurgitated uh-huh. versions of, uh, especially a lot of, like, you know, Libra Stoller stuff. You, you start yeah. digging into a lot of their writing, and you're like, man... They wrote that one too, and that yeah, one, like, and then that one,
0: and, and just how, how much they influenced. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, Gershwin, ha- Hammerstein, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that contributed just as much, uh, some might argue. But uh, also, ooh, well, speaking of Gershwin and <laughs> Hammerstein, why don't we uh, slide under the influence and talk about the influences of the song. Jody, why don't you get us started on this? What, what does this song remind you of? What do you think influenced, oh. influenced moving forward?
3: you know all the the uh soul singers of the time sam cook you know another great singer of the time i think like just that doo time of the 50s was such a big influence going into this era and then yeah and then probably you think about all of the soul singers that he influenced afterwards obviously otis redding because what otis uh, cut this about four or five years later mm-hmm. yeah that type of singing you know led into a lot of probably even a lot of like uh the r&b of the 70s and even getting into certain disco and um and stuff like that he probably had a lot of influence on
0: oh yeah for sure um i i would say yeah i mean just going on like motown we mentioned earlier i think i think nat king cole influence on this heavily and you know i mean if he if if this influence motown than obviously influence pretty much yeah. any r&b or soul or gospel or anything like that moving forward even you know going into like hip-hop and stuff like that
3: cassius clay too yeah,
0: oh, yeah. who covered this song oh and uh you know i mean gospel uh and stephen king a, a, a big influence yeah. i think
3: for for benny king was gospel music for sure
2: yeah. yeah, well, there was an old song "Stand by Me" by Reverend Charles Albert Tinley or something. It's an old song, like oh, yeah. the Staple singer. My favorite
0: version of the song. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it. Uh, it reminds me of a couple specific songs. One specific masterful love song, um, Led Zeppelin "Thank You" because they basically say the same Ooh. thing when the mountains crumble to the sea it will still be you oh, and me
0: oh never put that there yeah, together a, just just fantastic. Fantastic. You know, i love that song another
2: one that i found funny just because of the title and the, the epic nature of the song is uh tammy Wynette, stand by your man <laughs> 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 just standing songs. that might be a stretch yeah, there a stretch, but yeah it's a stretch um
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> well speaking of uh stand by your man think it's time for these three guys to to hop under the covers and talk about the covers of the song uh <laughs> we, we kind of hit on the Lennon one uh but uh as as jody touched on otis redding also covered the song neil you want to give your thoughts on that one i
2: don't have much to say about the otis, otis version it's amazing um but not my favorite one it's just great otis
0: it, 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 they're having a lot of fun with the mm-hmm. song it's almost like this song is too good for me to like straight up cover, so I am just gonna have a lot of fun with it, mm-hmm. and like him and his band do that. They right? do
3: well, especially with the horn section. You know, I love <laughs> I love the horns that he puts into it for sure. And then, of course, like uh, I think it's
0: Steve Cropper on the guitar
3: too, playing with
0: him. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, it it's fantastic. Like musically, is a tour de force, mm-hmm. and like vocal, vocally as well. Obviously, anything he sings, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of joyful rendition of the song, basically.
3: Yeah, I read this thing in Rolling Stone. They say, uh, Otis seems to be
0: enjoying the groove as much as the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Oh uh, Yeah, and then as we mentioned, uh, John Lennon uh, did it and, and Jesse uh, Ed Davis on on guitars.
2: Um, yeah, I wanted to hit the, the Lennon version again. It's definitely my favorite one. I love how he definitely changes it a lot, but it still has that same nostalgic quality to it he didn't lose like the the spark that makes this the song it is i don't think and somehow the way he does chuck along and changes the rhythm just it fits perfectly
0: it's yeah i mean it's it's definitely a a different version of the song nostalgic i don't really find it 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 sounds very it seems very set in the 70s to me yeah well i think i'm
2: nostalgic for the 70s (laughs) Okay, yeah. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> um, and especially with, I mean, because it's very 70s, with the way he plays with the melody, like the...
0: Yeah. The the guitar playing in it is just masterful the whole time. And he even like does some callbacks. I can't think of it off the top of my head. During the solo, he's doing some callbacks to some other songs of this time mm-hmm, uh, in the mm-hmm. 50s. Like some other ballad songs like that, which I just fucking love
2: yeah there's a live version of him doing it at this thing called the old gray whistle test in 75 where it just it sounds almost like the album version but straight yeah band live which is amazing
0: nice i'll have to look for that mm-hmm I'll mention one more that I heard I heard Florence and the Machine that I enjoyed I mean yeah. it's basically just very it's
2: good very on brand she
0: t- she takes it into the mystic a little bit <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like she's just kind of <laughs> floating above mm-hmm. a fucking bog or some shit a bog uh, <laughs> are we in the
2: Everglades?
0: <laughs> but, but I, I, I did enjoy that and then we, Weezer did it and I don't want to shit on Weezer because I like Weezer but it's almost like the other ones are so good it's hard to live up to from an alt '90s perspective,
3: did you
2: check out any other covers, Jody? The Muhammad
3: Ali version is pretty. Um, yeah, I didn't humor- get a chance. pretty humorous to listen to.
0: Actually. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, I was like, is he, he's gonna say humorous, right? <laughs> he's gonna say funny or humorous. I hope. Yeah, yeah,
3: that was uh that was pretty funny to listen to about 46 seconds of and then I had enough. Um, <laughs> the Kingsmen, like I said earlier, you know, I guess they it was just like they did it a couple of years after they did Louie Louie. And yeah, nice. it has a very kind of that garage bandy type of a sound. It sounds like the Yardbirds, you know, or something yeah. like that, or, or the Rolling Stones at the time, you know. And it's got it just has that kind of sound which I you know i can get into it it reminds me a little bit of like how the animals might sound hmm. you know um i that's mean that's awesome a lot of that stuff is is why i play guitar or at least why i started to play guitars from a lot of those songs so so I, I i could appreciate it it was okay though It wasn't that great of a of a cover and um i think i and tina turner did a cover of it um huh. nice yeah there's actually you can find like that, man, a lot of people... Obviously, there's a lot of covers of it. Meatloaf did a cover wow. of it. Um, Whatever. U2 and Bruce Springsteen, I think, did a version together. Kinda...
0: Well, you know what? I, I do hear Springsteen in the song. I'm mm-hmm. sure, not going to sure. lie. Like, I, I hear hints of stuff that he was going after because he also he he definitely had a thing for doo-wop and yep. and, and stuff like that yeah, yeah
2: so many people have covered it but i must say uh it's a brilliant song but you can still fuck it up like many people it, it just drifts right into a cheese factory and, and it's just so good that like if you dare to cover it don't fuck it up i don't want your b game like i need you to fucking mm-hmm. bring it you know <laughs> You better Are you
0: talking to, you talking to me
2: specifically <laughs> Maybe uh,
0: Interesting Well let's let's move on from me And talk about the shoe How does the shoe fit for this song I, Okay it's my song So I, I'll say You know this fits like a fucking Versace loafer Or some mm-hmm. Tom Ford Like mm-hmm. diamond shit That you know Was only made once And it really can't be recreated Yeezys maybe <laughs> No but, don't don't Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sully the, the, the shoes with Yeezys. Uh, <laughs> uh, J- Jody, how does the shoe shoe fit for you? Uh, the shoe fits like
3: one of my most comfortable pair of Merrill hiking boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. It fits. It fits, Neil? and I'm going to go camping with it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It fits. It fits so well that I don't even care what it is. If it was a pink Croc, I'd rock that shit proudly. Oh,
0: I'd like. I'd like to see you rocking some pink Crocs and just just Crocs up next to the fire as you're jamming crocs on with, an acoustic with
2: my mountain guitar. J-
0: just Crocs, some cut off jean shorts, and your mountain guitar. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like my a backpacker. <laughs> Maybe like a straw uh-huh, hat. Uh-huh. And you just freaking rocking it at night and somebody just walks upon you and been like oh my god he's a serial killer and he's playing stand by me that's how that's how he gets him to come in <laughs> and then he takes care uh-huh. of him from there yep. this... <laughs> let's have a sing along come on uh, well yeah let's have a sing along uh, on that note our cover of Ben E. King's stand by me
1: only light will see. No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. But
0: cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond, Neil Marsh, and Jody Moser. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Jody's week. So Jody, what will we be discussing?
3: We will be discussing the opening track of their 1969 debut album, Led Zeppelin's Good Times, Bad Times. This is Pod Gave Rock, is it not? Can't wait!